All right. Um, I think I've got about 20 minutes, so let's see how this goes. Uh, Nahum, three chapters. A lot of people think of this as a continuation of the book of Jonah. Remember, we covered Jonah a couple weeks ago. And uh, God spoke to Jonah, said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. He said, I want you to go and I want you to tell them I'm going to destroy the city unless they repent. Jonah went the other way. He didn't want the Assyrians to repent. Uh, of course, he finally delivers the message. Basically, it was seven words, shortest sermon ever. And uh, they do. They repent. The whole nation repents. Even the king uh, repents. And God uh, relents. God, God saves them. So Nahum picks up about 150 years later, and the Assyrians have repented from their repentance. Okay? You follow me? They have repented, much like we do, they have repented from their repentance. They are back at their wicked ways. In fact, they have conquered uh, the northern kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of, of, of Samaria has been destroyed. They've taken off those people into captivity, and it was a bloodbath. It was ugly. And, and they've done this everywhere. The kingdom of Assyria has grown and grown and grown, and they have done it uh, through mercilessly attacking other people, uh, killing tons of people. I, I mean, they're, they're just horrible people. They're horrible people, and, uh, and now they're threatening the south. And so the people in the kingdom of Judah uh, kind of are living in fear. Sometimes the Assyrians camp out. At one point, they were going to attack. Uh, God intervenes, but, but like it is a thing. And so in the midst of all that, God speaks to a man named Nahum. And uh, he says, here's what I want you to prophesy. I want you to prophesy the destruction of Assyria, specifically their capital of Nineveh. Now, this prophecy that we're going to read, that we're going to talk about, uh, it doesn't happen for a hundred years. It doesn't happen for a hundred years. But God, in detail, is going to say, hey, here's what I'm going to use to take down uh, Nineveh, the capital city. I'm going to use a flood. I'm going to use a fire, right? And I'm going to use these invading armies. All of that stuff happens. It's crazy. It's crazy. God even says, in fact, their destruction is going to be so complete that the city will be hidden, uh, which, by the way, after its destruction, it was hidden for 2,400 years. People didn't even know that Nineveh existed until 1842 when archaeologists began to find some rumblings of the city. As they did, by the way, once they started digging, they found that the city was ruined by a great flood. Um, the flood actually chipped away at the walls. The walls of Nineveh were huge. Uh, I did some research this week. I want to say they were over 50 feet tall. Uh, and so the river there um, flooded and, and basically eroded away the walls so the Babylonians and the Medes could enter in easily. Uh, they set everything on fire. They found two inches of ash within the city, right? Two inches of ash. Everything God said was going to happen, happened. And why? Because God is just. And so we're going to get into all those things. There's just two major themes I want to point out to you in this, uh, this minor prophet Nahum this morning. And here is the first. I want you to understand this morning that the book of Nahum teaches us that evil will not prevail forever. Let me say that again. Evil will not prevail forever. So uh, let's just be honest. There's a lot of evil in our world. Amen? Right? Uh, God doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't try to hide it. In fact, in the book of Nahum, God kind of does the opposite. He kind of highlights the evil of the Assyrian Empire. He says that they're like lions, that they have mauled whatever their cubs needed, uh, that they have strangled their prey, they, they have uh, uh, filled up with um, dangerous kills, right? Or, or, or their dungeons with kills. Like, like, this is not a great group of people. As God describes them, man, he openly talks about the evil uh, that they possess. 
But that's not what the book is about. The book isn't just about their evil. The book is about the fact that God finally chooses to deal with their evil, right? And so this is how the book opens. Uh, Nahum 1, uh, verse 2 through 3. The Word of God says this, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is fierce in wrath. The Lord takes vengeance against His foes and He is furious with His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger but great in power. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. And so if we were going to look through just just that language for a second. Uh, it, it says uh, the Lord is a jealous God. He's avenging, that he takes vengeance, that he's fierce uh, in wrath. I'm going to count those separately, right? He's fierce in, in wrath. Again, it says he takes vengeance. It says he is furious with his enemy. That's seven words I don't want to hear God hold against me. Amen? Right? But then get this. But then it says, but the Lord is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. And what that means is that what God is prophesying against Nineveh, it, like God didn't just wake up and go, I'm mad at you, right? God's anger is not like our anger. Somebody does something to us, we're like, Argh! like, I mean, it's immediate with us, right? I mean, we're hot-headed, we're hot-tempered. That's not how God is. God is slow in that. God, God is so patient. God's, I, I mean, come on, 150 years earlier, he sends Jonah to these people to say, hey, I'm going to destroy your city if you keep this up. They repent. Like, like, God has been so slow in his anger. But finally, God says, I, I can't do this anymore. You people will never change. I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Just let the heaviness of that, of that sink in, Right? So the Lord is slow to anger, but it, but it says, but he's great in power. See, what, what God is about to do is God, the God of history, is about to take down the strongest nation in the world. God has the power. He does it. He, he brings a flood against it. All of their, their strongholds wiped away. Army literally walks in, burns everything down. And, and it's so utterly destroyed, people can't find it for 2,400 years. Like, just, I, I want you to think through it. When we think about prideful nations, we think about people that have built up strongholds. God says, listen, man, if you do that in an unjust way, don't think that I didn't see it. God, God watches. God's patient. But, but he does take, he, it, it, it ends, it says, the Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. Okay? He'll never leave the guilty unpunished. Uh, God says this about himself in Deuteronomy 32, 35. He says, vengeance and retribution belong to me. It's God. Vengeance and retribution belong to me. In Psalm 34, 21, he said, evil brings death to the wicked. Right? And he says, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. God says the same thing that we find here in Nahum. I will never leave the guilty unpunished. So I just want to talk for a second about what that means in your life. Right? Because you guys walk through here and the truth is we've all been through some stuff. We've all been hurt by some people. We've all been stepped on in somebody else's pursuit of whatever you fill in the blank. And, and there's a million things I could think of. I mean, maybe you're one of those people that, that you work really hard and, and, and you did some great work and your boss took all the credit. You tried to let somebody know you got written up, they got a promotion. 
But maybe it's just a person in your life that just they take and they take and they take and they take. And, and, and the frustrating thing is it, it never seems like there's any repercussions for their actions, right? You guys follow me? Maybe it's just the world as a whole as you look at it and you look at morality and, and you just, I mean, guys, we, we live in an age where we call evil good and we embrace it and celebrate it. It's where we live. And sometimes it just gets to that point, right, that we all kind of look at God, whether it's personal hurt or it's just collective hurt and, 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 and sin, and we just say, God, like, is it, is it ever going to stop? Like, are, are, are the evil people ever going to stop winning? Are the rich people ever going to stop getting richer? God, are the people that, that abuse and take advantage of others, are they ever going to be held accountable? And, and what the book of Nahum promises is, yes, they will. There will be a day, and God will unleash His power against such people and nations and systems, and they will crumble. They will crumble because God is just, right? So you read the prophet of Nahum. Prophets are really good at this. They, they tend to highlight character traits of God. Nahum highlights a character trait that we don't like to talk about, and that's God's anger, right? It's God's anger. But what he highlights is that God is slow in that, but God is also just in that. And a day of judgment will come upon all evil, and they'll be reduced to nothing. And, and, and Nahum's not just talking about end times. Yes, that will happen at the end time. But he says, sometimes, even in the midst of what you're going through, God will bring deliverance. And so what I would say to you this morning is, if that's you, hang on and wait. And hang on and wait because God is good. He sees you. He knows what's been done to you. And he will bring about justice in his time. Okay? So that's the first thing I, I want you to know this morning is that evil will not prevail forever. That's the first theme of the book, I believe. Second thing I want you to know this morning is that God protects those who trust in him even in the midst of discipline. I want to repeat that. God protects those who trust in him even in the midst of discipline. So historically, what is going on in the life of Israel? Uh, now, they are being disciplined uh, by God for their idolatry, right? Um, so they, they've taken advantage of the poor. They've oppressed the poor. They've set up systems where the poor aren't treated fairly. Uh, the judges have been bribed. Uh, even, even the prophets are, are selling prophecies. Uh, like, it is not a good place. Moral decline, we've kind of talked through this. All that's going on in, in this, this time. So God is disciplining his children. But even in the midst of that discipline, uh, he says some really interesting things. So the first six verses of Nahum are all about uh, God's vengeance. Right? They're all about God's anger and then God's power. Like, listen, it goes on. It's like God is powerful enough to crush all of the rocks and destroy all of the mountains. And like, I mean, just it boasts about the power of God after he says, you know, in God's power. It just goes on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, after talking about God's wrath and God's vengeance and God's anger, uh, Nahum inserts this in verse 7. He says, but the Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress, he cares for those who take refuge in him. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says, but for Nineveh there is no hope. Uh, but, but, this, but he says, listen, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. So the word stronghold there in Hebrew means a place of safety, a place of protection, a, a place of 
refuge. It, it speaks to like a harbor. If, if you kind of think about a bad weather coming up on the ocean and, and the wind is, is whipping and, and the sea is raging. And what happens? When you pull into harbor, you're kind of protected from that. And, and, and so that's the imagery that we, God is that. God is this place that we can go and will be protected by all of that stuff that's, that's going on. And, and it says, uh, he, he does this. He cares for, it means he cares for or he knows all of those who take refuge in him. And that word in Hebrew means all those that put trust in him. Specifically, it means all of those that flee to God for protection. So listen, if you trust God, and you run to God for protection, the promise of, of Nahum is that he will indeed then, what? Protect you. That he will indeed protect you. Uh, the wisest person on the face of the earth, um, King Solomon, wrote this in Proverbs 18.10. In, in the 90s, this was a jamming uh, worship song. I mean, it was, it was contemporary as they got back in the 90s, right? Uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are, they are safe is what the song said. You, anybody remember that song? Come on. The name of the Lord is a strong town. Ta- y'all, y'all remember it, right? The righteous run into it. And they, they, all, all the songs in the 90s had motions that went with them in the youth group, okay? They just did. So, uh, like, like, listen, Solomon's going, listen, man, the name of the Lord is a safe place, and everybody that runs there is, is going to be safe. And you know where I think he got that? I think he got that from his dad. Because his father wrote these words in Psalm 18 when he is saved from the hands of Saul. He pins this, Psalm 18, 1-3. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, and my God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I was saved from my enemies. David sought refuge in God, and he was saved. And that is exactly what God promises in Nahum 1.7. That those who seek refuge in God uh, will be saved. They will be saved. Does that mean their life will be saved? Does it mean their soul will be saved? We'll get into that in a second. All right? So what, what do we do um, with these two kind of big themes from God's Word? Right? That God will take care. Those people that elevate themselves and they abuse the innocence, God's going to deal with that. God's watching. He's grieving. It makes him angry. At one point, he will unleash his anger upon those people. That means justice and vengeance is actually his, so evil will not prevail, right? And then God will protect us, even in the midst, even in seasons of discipline. Maybe you're in one of those seasons right now. You think, God, where are you? Listen, God's still got you. You're still in his hand because you're his child. You're his child. He says that he's not going to let your foot slip, which is awesome. So, so, so what do we do? Uh, first thing I think the book of Nahum calls us to do is to trust in the Lord. Is to trust in the Lord. Uh, by the way, there is a mention of Jesus in the book of Nahum. I want to encourage you to uh, read the book and look for it. If you find it, shoot me an email. Go, Pastor, I found it. I saw it. I'm not going to tell you where it is. You've got to find it and shoot me an email. So uh, it's there. It's there. The first thing I think Nahum teaches us is trust in the Lord. And, and so I, I want to talk to you about salvation for a second because you'll notice not everyone was protected. Who, who, who did Nahum 1-7 promise would be protected? Those that trusted in God. Those that trusted in God. And so the truth is we live in an evil world and the truth is, in fact, we are part of the problem. Amen? 
Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says the wage of sin is death, that we all deserve God's judgment and punishment. That's who we are. Now, you may look at yourself in the mirror and think, no, I'm a pretty good person. No, you are not. You're not. I'm not either. We are not. On our own and by ourselves, we're wayward. We'll always turn from God. We'll always try to take control. And we will always be the oppressor of other people. We'll take advantage of others for our own gain. That's who we are naturally. Okay? In our sin nature, that is who we are. And because of that, we deserve judgment and eternal separation from God. The Bible calls that death. Right? That's what we deserve. And listen, I, I don't want to pull any punches from you. If you don't know the Lord... That's what you'll face, period. God, who made everything, has right and authority over all that he's made. And he's created a way by which you could be made right. And it's not on your own doing, right? There's no way that you can become holy, which means perfect. You can't undo what's been done. You can be better. A lot of us spend our lives trying to be better. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to drink less. I'm going to, you know, all those things may make you better, but they don't make you perfect. But God has supplied one who is perfect. His name was Jesus. And the Bible says, all who call upon his name will be saved. All who trust in God will be saved. So we've got to start there. You've got to trust in God. But then there's a message there about security as well. For all people who have trusted in God, God's people, his children, because he loves us, are disciplined, right? I discipline my kids because I love them. They don't feel like it's loving, but it's loving because I don't want them to turn out to be a bunch of toots. Lindy's not in this service, but I said toots in church. Y'all let her know. She can add it to the list, okay? I don't want them to be... a bunch of little, I, I mean, I, you don't. And, and you guys that are parents, you've felt the same way. You've disciplined your kids. You're like, no, that's not right. You can't do that. You've got to treat others this way. You can't, like, like, we do that intentionally on purpose. God does the same thing with us. But listen, in the midst of that discipline, not one time ever is there a moment that that is not my child. My child who I will give up everything I possess for. Because they're mine. Everything in my power, which is limited, I will pour out to protect that child. God's power is not limited. And he says he's not going to let your foot slip. So what does it mean that God will protect me? Does it mean that I'll never die because of evil? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that my salvation, which is trusting in him, will always be secure no matter what comes my way. And some of you need to hear that because some of you walked in this morning and the truth is at one point or another you've questioned whether or not you're saved because either you've fallen into sin, well you have, and maybe you're in a season of discipline and you're like, God, where are you? This isn't what I thought was promised. Why is life so hard? Maybe you've thought, maybe I'm not really saved or maybe I've done something so bad that the grace of Jesus is removed from me couldn't be further from the truth, right? We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith, right? And we're not actually saved by faith. See, I wanted you to shake your heads. We're saved by grace through faith. See, if it was my faith, then every time my faith faltered, I wouldn't be saved. But Ephesians 2.8 says this. It says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one could boast. And so what I want you to know this morning clearly is, is this, that you can trust in the Lord 
and that he will protect you, everyone that runs to him. And that is for salvation and that is for security. That his hand has you and your foot will not slip even in those seasons of discipline. Uh, Which brings me to just the last thing I think the word of God challenges us to do in the book of Nahum. And that is wait for God's vengeance. It's just a wait for God's vengeance. Uh, here's, here's one last scripture I want to share with you. Uh, this is what it says. We can go to it. Uh, Romans twelve nineteen. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. And uh, guys, I, I don't know about you, but um, life, I'm, I, I've found out in, in the last, I don't know, handful of years, uh, it's moments of preciousness. And then they're gone. Just have moments of prayer. I, I blinked, and my oldest is 17 in a few days. I mean, I blinked. He was, he was just jumping off of stuff at me and kamikaze flying at me and wrestling. I mean, I blinked, and it's gone. I mean, I blinked. I blinked one day, and I couldn't talk to my dad anymore. I just blinked. It's just one moment. Life is so precious. And here's what I'm going to say to you. You can either spend it trying to get even or you can spend it loving the people that are in your path. I, I think one is way better than the other. And leave the rest unto God. Now listen, does that mean it's always easy to discern? Absolutely not. I'm dealing with some stuff right now. I'm trying to, like, Lord, what, what, is this you? Is this me? What, what is it? Like sometimes it's hard to discern, but we still just leave room and say, okay, God, here you work. Make it so evident that it's you and not me. Just show me, right? And let God deal with it because he will. He will. Can I pray for you this morning? All right. As you guys bow your heads, uh, let me just see, just kind of show of hands. How many of you uh, needed to hear those truths from Nahum this morning? No one's looking. Say, yep. Awesome. Awesome. So let me pray. Father, um, we live in a world that is full of hurt. And there's a lot of pain. And uh, sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? Forgive us, Lord. Because we know that you're watching. And we know that you're good. And we know that you will deliver. God, help us wait on that deliverance. Help us endure your loving discipline. And help us wait on you. And Father, we do pray, would you bring justice? Would you bring justice so that those wrongs might be set right? So that those that have been trampled on might be stood up? And God, as we wait, even in the midst of our discipline, would you help us turn to you and trust in you for protection? God, if there's anyone hearing my voice this morning that has never trusted Jesus as Lord, I pray today would be that day that they say, you know what? I've heard that God is holy. I know that I am not. And I've heard that Jesus will cover my sins. I pray that today they would turn to you. They would just call out, Lord Jesus, please save me. Please save me. I pray that um, that would happen today. God, for those that have struggled with that thought that maybe they have messed up too much, that you're not there, again, I pray that they would be reminded of your security, that we are not saved by faith, but we're saved through faith. We're saved by your grace. And God, let that set with us. For all the hurts, let us forgive and let us leave room for you to work. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.